And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, British Columbia. I'm Tony Gizmondi with Casey Wilson. Trust you all had an enjoyable BC day-long weekend. We begin with some good news. The BC government's extending their temporary authorization that permits food primary and liquor primary licensees, better known as restaurants and bars, to sell and deliver beer, wine, and spirits alongside the purchase of a meal for off-site consumption during the COVID-19 pandemic. The new extension will remain in place until October 31st, of 2020. So that's good news for all those restaurants uh, with takeout business. Now on the show today, wouldn't it be great if there was a village-like center for wine production with food and entertainment experiences all in one stunning location? Later in the show, we'll speak with Mike Daly about the first true wine village in Canada. Located in the heart of the South Okanagan District, wine village will be surrounded by vineyards and will be home to 16 artisan producers that should attract consumers from across the country. We'll also connect with Patrick Corsi, formerly of Quattro on 4th and Quattro Whistler fame, who together with partner Andrea Viscovi, formerly Blue Water Cafe in Ancora, will tell us about Vancouver's latest Italian restaurant. Tutto, Italian for all or everything, is a 180-seater aiming for a mid-August opening on the main floor of the four-story brick heritage building at the corner of Homer and Smythe. Casey, you'll uh, recognize that. That is Kitty Corner to the Homer Street Cafe. Also on the show and in Vancouver is Marquee Wine Shop owner John Clarides. He's going to join us for a great chat about the state of wine in British Columbia and some news about his new nightclub. And up next, chef author Bruno Feldizen, Baking with Bruno and star judge on the Canadian Baking Show. I just love this guy on the show. He is the best. You won't want to miss Baking with Bruno, a French baker's North American love story, next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson, and we'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save On Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards, plus there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save On Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Calling all winemakers, craft brewers, cider makers, or artisan distillers. Canada's first wine village is coming and you could be a part of it. Located at the gateway to Canada's wine capital in Oliver, the village provides turnkey low capital production facilities that are available for lease starting now. But with space for only 16 artisan producers, the time to act is now to be part of history and start crafting your unique story. To learn more, visit districtwinevillage.com. Cullman, a family estate winery, reminds you that it's time to join the 2020 Fellowship and reap the rewards. Cullman's Fellowship not only brings people together through their love of Cullman wines, it also features exclusive benefits only available to members, like access to the Numbers Series, Cullman's Small Lot Program, as well as unreleased library and rare wines from their portfolio. For details, visit Cullman.ca. Cullman, a family estate winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. Stuck at home? Planning your next getaway without the airfare? 
Think Therapy Vineyards. Imagine staying at the Inn on the Vineyard, overlooking Lake Okanagan and Giant's Head Mountain, sipping the latest releases all within steps of your luxurious boutique-style room. It's the ultimate wine lovers getaway without the flight. For a limited time, BC Food & Wine Radio listeners can save on their stay at Therapy Vineyards. Just remember the code Gizmondi when you book online at therapyvineyards.com. Now back to BC Food & Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We have a couple of uh, famous Vancouver restaurateurs on the line today, Andrea Viscovi and Patrick Corsi, who are teaming up to open a new restaurant in downtown Vancouver uh, called Tuto Restaurant. Uh, gentlemen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Great to have you guys back. And uh, opening an Italian restaurant, Andrea, you're going to need some help from Patrick. Hundred <laughs> percent. You know, uh, Tony. He speaks better Italian than I do. So that I know, <laughs> I know. I was joking, but what does tutto mean? Everything. Everything. So yeah. So we the whole uh, ball of wax. The whole ball of wax. So you know, the kind of concept is offering. You know, some of the best dishes Italy is uh, famous for, and and you know, we didn't want to be specific to one region, and you know, we want to have. Pizza, pasta, some great seafood uh, items, and great meat. Yeah. So it's tutto, everything. Everybody wanted to know what you were up to, Andrea. Of course, many people know you from Ancora and Blue Water, and uh, Patrick from uh, Corsi Trattoria, and uh, Quattro. Uh, that's how old I am. I know some of the older ones. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but it's, it's, wow. great to, it's great to have you guys back in the, in the middle of town. So t- first of all, where is the place? So we are uh, we're, we're just on the the outskirts of uh, of Yale Town. So we're right on the corner of Smythe and Homer. Uh, uh-huh. We're in a beautiful uh, heritage uh, brick building uh, that has oh, office yeah. space upstairs, and and uh, the restaurant shaping up to be uh, visually stunning. Uh, Kitty corner to uh, Homer Street Cafe, social corner. So a good little yep. restaurant uh, block there. I know yeah, you're nice. my neighbors now. I'm very excited for the opening of this restaurant, and I would like you to tell us about the concept and what the atmosphere will be like. Well, they they've done a great build. Um, if you remember, it used to be an art gallery, and it was like multi-leveled. So now you have a beautiful grand entrance. There's a flight of stairs that go up, and they've made it all one level. So it's it's a pretty open design. Uh, we have a lovely open kitchen in the back, uh, you know, a lovely forno oven. Uh, there's a great oval bar, private room. It's really a gorgeous room, and, uh, you know, it, it's nice seeing the brick. You know, Yiltown is very... Very famous for the brick buildings and, and beams, sure. you know, great old uh, old beams in the in this area. Uh, and you know, the, the concept is going to be, you know, we're going to have a great wine program. Seventy five percent of the list is going to encompass Italian wines. We're going to have a good mix of BC and international offerings. Uh, and the food is going to be, you know, we, we have some great veteran uh, people that have worked for me, have worked for Patrick, and we're going to be a more of an informal style restaurant. We're not going to be luxury Italian. Uh, Yay. Yeah, there's a bit of a- yeah, then, yeah, that's that's definitely something that both Andrea and myself uh, uh, really focused on. Um, I mean, obviously, we live in one of the great restaurant cities in North America. Uh, we we just between the two of us felt that maybe there was a little bit of a gap 
between your your luxury and your pizzeria, and we're going to yeah. slide right in there. Um, it's 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 uh, it, it's got a good size. The restaurant um, at full capacity could be up to 170 seats. You know, as as we live through these uh, uh, more challenging times, it'll be a little smaller uh, once open. Uh, but as Andrea noted too, uh, it, it's it's a gorgeous room. It's got great natural light, uh, rustic but modern at the same time. It's got got both feels at both different levels of the restaurant. So we're really excited about it. It's uh, it's a good challenge, and uh, and something I think that Vancouver is going to be excited about as well. Uh, well, but by the way, we're speaking with Andrea Viscovi, the new GM, and Patrick Corsi, operations manager for Tuto Restaurant. It's opening on uh, Homer Street this summer. Uh, lots of things have changed with COVID. Are you guys sort of on schedule or uh, following the line, the timeline that you thought you might? No, no. We, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I we're love your honesty. <laughs> I hope the food is as honest as you guys. <laughs> No, I mean, these, these are crazy times. I mean, you know, we we're just, you know, joking the other day, like, you know, hey, we need a challenge. Let's open up a restaurant during COVID, right? So, but it, it's going to be uh, definitely different when we open up. Uh, there's certain protocols that have to be uh, in place. And, you know, it's it's a new reality. We're, we're going to try to do our best to adhere to all those regulations and, uh, and still make it a, a comfortable experience for the guests. And uh, tell us about your chef. Yeah, uh, we, we, we've we've assembled a we've assembled a really good uh, kitchen team. Our chef uh, Adam Shaughnessy has worked uh, up in Whistler, has worked in the past for for some of the uh, premier Vancouver restaurants. Uh, he had a stint uh, with myself uh, over at the Quattro Restaurant. Uh, he's somebody that I've known uh, most of my life. Uh, we went to the same high school. Really talented guy. Really gets Italian food, but really gets the the nature of Italian food, like the pasta, the sauces. Um, um, and things like that. And, and you know, he's, he's worked under some of the best in the city, whether that be Antonio, my father, or Umberto Mengi. Um, so so he's certainly had, uh, you know, uh, fantastic training. And along the way, he's he's added some three other phenomenal guys that we're really, really excited about. Every You know, they're working together every single day at a round mm. table. Um, we're just getting starting to cook uh, some of the dishes now, but so many new ideas. And I think that's the most exciting thing, at least for Andrea and I, from our standpoint, it's so great to just be sitting with young, vibrant people that want to learn that are giving good ideas, you know? And so between the six of us or five of us, whatever it is, you know, we're, 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 we've got great ideas. I think this is going to be something that is really exciting and at the same time, really different. I love it. I love it. Is, is there going to be any uh, dishes just for Italians? <laughs> like Tony, he's asking. Like Tony, Tony, for you, there's, yes. There, you got to be rather, Italian, though. <laughs> there's a ra- rather famous dish just for Italians that uh, I, I, I miss terribly in the city, but there you go. That is the quattro dish. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to have to give uh, Patrick's father a, a quarter every time we sell that. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> what What are you guys thinking about the sort of post-COVID crowd, the mentality of people, the way, do you think there'll be a change in the way people dine? And I don't just mean all this physical distancing, but just their, their approach and the way that they dine out uh, going forward, maybe in the next decade. That's a great question. Like, you know, our original concept is we wanted to have you know, like a, a typical Sunday dinner at my house or Patrick's house, you know, mm-hmm. mom's making the food, it goes on the table and we're sharing, right? We That's kind of what we want. That's what we envisioned, you know, post or, or pre-COVID. 
now we're kind of like saying, well, you know, we still want to have that. How are we going to deliver that? So, you know, we're, we're hoping that the circle of people that are going to come into dine is going to be comfortable in, in that style uh, of eating, right? If, if they want their own individual plates, yeah, we can do that as well. But we, we kind of want to have that, you know, a lot of harmony at the table, you know. I know, yeah. and you know, meat, you know, I have been out at restaurants where they're sharing plates and, you know, I'm with friends, you know, you know who's in your circle now. And mm-hmm. when you go out for dinner, I have absolutely no problem with that. But, of course, you want to have some well, options. Well, you know, we, Casey and Tony, I mean, uh, both Andrea and I have extensively researched, uh, you know, what, what the terms of, of COVID are in a public place. We are, I mean, obviously customer uh, uh, security safety is going to be number one. Um, you know, at the same time, as we've been working here for the last four or five months, I've run into so many people on the street and, and uh, well, maybe not, over, there were a couple of months that we weren't here, but but as I ran into people, there, there is some eagerness to to, to go out and to go and have a nice dinner and, um, you know, mingle, whether it be with your wife or girlfriend or, or your neighbor, mm-hmm. um, you know, naturally right now, the, the thoughts of having those big groups, uh, we have a lovely private room in the restaurant, you know, for the time being that that will be just an extension of what the dining room is. But, you know, for, for the challenges that COVID represents, um, you know, I, I still think from a customer point, I, I still think that there is a will and a desire to, to go out and the fact that we are going to be a new restaurant and offer something that's different and new, I think that that, you know, it's exciting for people. It's It's been such a challenging, mentally challenging couple of months that, you know, people want to go out and explore and they want to go and laugh and they want to have that second glass of wine and, yeah. and that not being in, in your living room, you know. <laughs> well, you, you're, you're getting a wholesale price out of the deal, so that that got to help a little bit or make you excited about that, so... I'm interested to see how that works out for wine lists. Well, it's, it's going to delay our opening, maybe, because we got to work yeah, right. after the twentieth. <laughs> <laughs> you and a few other people. Yeah, uh, listen, so. guys, so great to catch up with you today, and uh, I'm sure we'll get back to you when you're uh, open. Uh, full tilt in the fall, and we've had a meal there, but uh, it sounds great to, to have a restaurant like Tuto opening in uh, downtown Vancouver. Two big stars, folks, people who know how to run restaurants and make you feel comfortable, so I think it's going to be a great addition to downtown Vancouver. Andrea Viscovi and Patrick Corsi, thanks so much for joining us today on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Thanks Thank so much, both of you, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk with you both. Casey, come yep. by any time. We've got espresso waiting for you. I'm going to be the hostess outside the door. Perfect. Oh, I love boy. it. By yep. the way, it's a beautiful door. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. It, weighs a, it weighs a ton. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Ciao, guys. Andrea Vescovi and Patrick Corsi opening a new restaurant downtown Vancouver this summer, Tuto Restaurant. Uh, you're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The Wine Experience Center at Mount Boucherie Estate Winery is waiting for you. Welcome to the new home of hospitality in the Okanagan. The wine shop is open for tastings, and the Modest Butcher Restaurant is ready to welcome you with the best dining experience in Okanagan wine country. Reservations are required for tastings and dining. For the safety of guests and staff, extra cleaning, sanitation, and physical distancing protocols will also be in place. For more information and updated developments, please visit mtboucherie.com. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. 
We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Tin Horn Creek Vineyards has opened its doors. Visitors are welcome to stop by the wine shop for both sales and tastings. The award-winning Miradoro restaurant is now also open for table service and takeout. Reservations are required. Can't make it in? Take advantage of free shipping on orders over six bottles or send wine to someone you love to show them you're thinking of them. Curbside pickup is also available for online and phone orders. For full details and the latest updates, please visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we're really happy to have John Clarity's with us today. Of course, John is the owner of Marquee Wine Cellars uh, since ever. John, welcome to the show. Tony Casey, thanks for having me. Great to talk to you. Uh, great to talk to you. You're the only guy I know who survived the city of Vancouver, the BCLDB, and a pandemic. Uh, congratulations on all of that. You know, it's uh, you know a little bit of little bit of Greek and a little bit of crazy helps in there. So. <laughs> you know, everybody asks me the question about whether they should open a winery. So I'm going to ask you a question: whether they should open a private wine shop. 100% no. One, you can't get the licenses anymore because it doesn't exist. It was only a month window. From yep. 86 to about 88, early 88, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Strange, strange business. Well, welcome to the show, yeah. John. Uh, I guess the first off the top, I just wanted to have a quick chat about uh, a very complicated subject, which is uh, wholesale pricing. I don't even know what that word means anymore when we talk about wine, but uh, there has been some news that's come out. Uh, you already had wholesale pricing, but now you have more competition from uh, restaurants. I guess that would be the well, number one competition. I don't, I, I don't know if it's it's if it's competition. Um, p- perhaps it is. If you know they're st- they're still allowed to sell wine to go, so you know their prices yeah. may not be double. They could be de facto retailers. That that definitely is a problem. So I'm keeping an uh, keeping an eye on that. But you know, it's you know a little bit of fresh air for them. It still doesn't solve the big problem for them, in that they still have to buy full case lots and cannot buy single bottles or what they need on a weekend or for the next three days. They're forced to buy, you know, yeah. twelve bottles. Full cases that they exactly. yeah that they can't get in two days either, or Correct. even that night. Correct. Uh, well, we I was. I've been looking at the sort of situation, and I guess what I'm thinking is that the government's already, you know, telling us how much money they're losing by doing this, which is peanuts in the scheme of how much they make. But, but uh, you, they could have given you the right to sell to restaurants and not have to give up that money, and you could have cut your own deal and and been happy doing it. Why why didn't it go that way? I have no idea. I uh, I, I can't speculate. I, I wasn't in on any of the negotiations, so I, I don't know. I think they just want to. It's all about control. That's my guess, mm-hmm. and that was uh, also probably oh, it was negotiated by the restaurant association. So 
they're you know they are lobbying for the restaurants and not for wine stores when it when you look at the whole picture we are part of it and so if we can help restaurants save money by not having to run around to five um, uh, liquor stores to pick up product or delivering it to them uh, save them time and money and solve some problems for them they didn't look at that so. Yeah. Well, even the environmental footprint, like I can't understand why a, why a <laughs> restaurant on Davy Street wouldn't buy wine from you where they could just pick it up and walk it over to the store rather than ship it around the province for exactly. 10 days. I mean, we use courier, we use bike couriers, we deliver ourselves. Um, uh, it, it, I'll give you a classic example. So caterers, we aren't allowed to sell to catering companies because they're deemed <laughs> licensees. So here's what the caterer has to do has to go to the liquor store, wait for their order, load it in the car themselves, take it back to their office, chill it, take it to the event, any unused wine, back to their office. And so how many trips is that? Boy, Um, there's a lot of advantages being in the food business. We don't have to deal with this. Exactly. So so if they dealt with us is, John, I need 10 cases delivered to 1234 Elm Street. It'll be there cold Saturday at 4 o'clock. Great. Yeah. That saves four trips. We build our visa card. Anything left over, they take back to the store and they return to us or they keep for their next event. Yeah. How simple is that? Yes. Time and money and the carbon footprint. I've explained this to government and they chose not to listen. I wonder why it's so complicated when, when many of the solutions look very straightforward. I, unless it's just, you know, there, there's something going on that I don't know about. I don't understand why this system is so complicated and why it can't be rebuilt from the ground up instead of all this tweaking. Command and control. And if you think about it, the, apparently the new um, uh, general manager, I think, of liquor licensing is uh, talking to, to uh, Jeff Guinard. She wants to yep. come up with... Um, uh, solutions, but there's a legacy of saying no. No is an e- no is always easy. It's like your kids asking for candy. No, no. Turn around, yeah. go walk away, dejected. But if you're persistent, like teenagers, petulant teenagers are, you eventually they eventually capitulate. And you know, historically, looking at my business, you know, wasn't allowed to have a website, wasn't allowed to deliver, wasn't allowed to pour off site uh, at wine events, wasn't allowed to have wine dinners, wasn't allowed to advertise. These are things that we've all gotten, but it's taken 35 years. So mm-hmm. I've always said, by the time they get it right, it'll be the end of the century. <laughs> yeah, the thing, the thing is, is that all of these things that you fight for and you get, they, they make no difference to the rest of the world. Like, it's like, oh, yeah, sure. Well, why, why didn't you have that 20 years ago? It's not like that's some massive change. It's, 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 it's crazy. The internal, there, there's internal people, people and I, I won't say names, that had, they were trained by people that were trained by people in the in yeah. the 50s and 60s so there is this command and control and no mentality and well, so I'm interested be, yeah go, go I ahead. mean that I'm inter- I'm interested yeah, I'm really interested in the culture of wine so all of this stuff I don't really care about all these rules what I what what disappoints me is that if you want to have a local wine industry and you want to support BC wine you got to build a wine culture and you can't do that with rules that say, you know, the baker can't do that and the butcher can't do this. Like, it's just nuts. It's crazy. And, uh, but, you know, if, more... they want us, 
strong, uh, you know, a strong local industry, they also have to engage with the rest of the world. They have to be open to having Italian and French wines here and that expertise and that knowledge transformed around to everybody. Like, it's just crazy to close it all down because they think they're doing the right thing. Uh, they're, they're, they're doing, they're doing, you're, you're 100% right. A, a couple of examples. Uh, first of all, I think, I think, uh, government intimidates people and they're you know they're just made up of human beings that follow policy and it's easy to government's not always right we've proved them wrong over the centuries they're wrong a lot of the time yeah. uh, but you know they ha- they have a process uh, and if you have a strong leadership at any level especially this talk BC wine industry um, I bring my you, you know, a mutual friend Willie Klinger uh, who is was the head of the Austrian Wine Marketing Bureau. This guy was a tour de force, and he's launched Austrian wines all over the world. Uh, we need that in BC, and we need and we need that culture to sort of trickle down to to all levels. It's slowly happening, but sadly, you know, I'm 16. By the time it gets you know all done, I'll be in an old age home or dead. Well, John, well, Mark, before we let you go, I want yeah. you to tell us about WineText.ca. Oh, yeah. So this is a new thing that we've launched. Uh, It's going to be launching about mid-July. We have to wait till Canada Post can get back to delivering the home. So we're hoping mid-July. But all you do is get on our webpage, sign up for Wine Text. You get a text every Wednesday, and you can just reply four, six, or 12 bottles. We have all your information stored, and the wine will get delivered to you between 24 and 48 hours. Nice. Wonderful. And you've purchased the Numbers Club. Oh, yes. I purchased probably, from what I've been told, North America's oldest and longest operating gay club, Numbers Cabaret. It's right next door to my wine shop. And so uh, it's been, it used to be called Tony Lemmer's Factory, for those of of us (laughs) old enough to remember that. That is old. It is. And Phil Moon bought it in 1980, turned it into a gay club. Phil Moon was responsible for opening Love Affair, um, uh-huh. uh, Pump Cha- uh, not Pump, um, Fountainhead, um, the Score. About twenty gay clubs in in Vancouver over the last forty or fifty years. Anyway, he's retired. I bought bought the club from him, and we're going to keep it a gay club. But we're going to have a little bit of a twist to it: better wines, better beers, a patio in the back that I'm working on. We're cleaning up, uh, cleaning it up inside, and. A a little twist. I don't want to say right now because my I don't want my competitors to get any ideas. But it's going to be a nightclub, but with a, a cool little twist to it. And I had Sabrina Dollywell make up a cocktail list for me, so it'll be it'll be a lot better. Great. I'm going to yeah. call you after the show to find out what that secret is. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so. John, always great to catch up with you. Keep up the good fight. Uh, you've done a great job at Marquee Wine Cellars. By the way, folks, marquee-wines.com. You can go there and check out all the wines that are for sale through John from around the world. He's got all of them. Good to talk to you. John Clarities, he's the owner uh, uh, of the iconic Marquee Wine Cellars uh, on Davie Street. Been there forever and probably will be there forever. You're listening to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. It's time for a quick break. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. 
people crafting products with passion. Save on Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards, plus there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save on Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. The warm weather is here and Indigenous-inspired cuisine and much more awaits you in the beautiful Okanagan Valley. Spirit Ridge Resort in Isoyas is pleased to announce the reopening of the bear, the fish, the root, and the berry with a brand new menu. Social distancing protocols are in place for your safety, so join them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner in complete comfort. Please make your reservations at bearfishrootberry.com. Spirit Ridge Resort, part of the Unbound Collection by Hyatt. Visit spiritridge.ca. The Upper Bench of BC's Similkameen Valley. For those in the know, it's a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. And it's here, nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos Winery. Surrounded by an idyllic organic vineyard using natural ferments and small art artisanal winemaking, they produce elegant and age-worthy wines that reflect their unique land. You can find Clos wines in fine wine shops and restaurants across the province or order online at clodisolet.ca. Black Hills Estate Winery invites you to raise a glass with them this summer to celebrate their 20th anniversary season. Make sure to join them on the sun-soaked patio for a sampling of their premium wines. Or, if you can't make it out this summer, then don't forget to check out their popular virtual tasting program online. For reservations or for more information, visit them at blackhillswinery.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. Uh, we have a really special guest today, and we're so glad to catch up with Bruno Feldison. He's a pastry chef, cookbook author, TV judge. You know him best probably now from the great canadian baking show where he makes everybody tremble when he's in front of them but in a kind of a nice way uh bruno welcome to the show great to have you thank you for having me i have to tell you i really enjoy uh joy you on the on the great canadian baking show because i just love the way that you handle the contestants and the the way you can make them tremble and the way you can be nice to them i think it's the perfect it's the perfect way to have uh, that happen on that show yeah, it's it's the uh, it's to create that magical point where you want to be uh, critical, because the whole reason of the show is people they want to get better into baking. Yet yeah. you don't want to do it in a very uh, meaning. Uh, you want to do it in a very meaningful way and very respectful way as well. Yeah, and, and it's it's so, super hard to do that. It's really hard to do that. Is. But but it, when it, you know even. even a, Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that I know that you know what you're talking about, so I can't wait to hear how you're going to do it when you see something that's clearly not that great, but then it has great flavor or whatever. I really like the way you do that anyways. Uh, keep it up. Thank Bruno, you. I just love your book, Baking with Bruno, A French Baker's North American Love Story. And what I like about the book is often I'll pick up a book done by a pastry chef and the rest recipes are so complicated yours are so uh, user-friendly 
And one of the things that I really enjoyed in the book, because my daughter is really getting into baking, and she said, Mom, I want you to send me all the things I should have in my kitchen to bake. And here I open up your book, and not only is there a list, but there are pages. I can't wait to get a copy of the book to give to her. The pages, two pages, just full of things that are really helpful when you bake. Yeah, and you, you know, I always say you don't need a lot of equipment, and you can go to Value Village or second-hand store and exactly. find a lot of cheap equipment. So, you know, because baking, pastry, people always say, oh, you know, it's first recipe are complicated, you know, because we're talking about chemistry. Then you need equipment, and I say, look, it's not that complicated. And you can go to Value Village, second-hand store, and find plenty full of equipment for very cheap. Yes, and I've done that, and it's it's mm-hmm. a great way to to be able to purchase many different things that you you know would spend quite a bit on if you were buying it full retail price. Yeah, no, it could be quite pricey. And the book, I wanted it to be, you know, I mean, it's about me, but I didn't want it to be about me in the other hand. I wanted it to be approachable for everyone. You know, um, you know, baking it's a science in one way. But it doesn't have to be uh, that complicated. You know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of chefs make their book super complicated just to make themselves feel like very important. And, <laughs> you know, I think <clears throat> the knowledge of pastry or cooking has to be shared more widely. Uh, so that was a book itself has to be very, uh, you know, it's, it's for everybody. Yes. Yeah, for, uh, the, Bruno, the you, you, grew, yeah, you grew up in the center of France, just about as far from any other part of france as you could be but uh when you when you came to north america what i loved was you you said that you got some good advice which was uh uh, take your knowledge and be french but embrace north american culture and food too and you seem to have done that how did you make that uh, jump um i think because i worked with a great chef best in los angeles uh, who became my mentor and a very good friend. We're still buddies now. Uh, his name is Joachim Splishol. And oh, yeah. he opened a restaurant in uh, in the early 90s called Patina in Los Angeles. Yes. And, you know, and Joachim was a you know, classic French train. He worked in France, some of the best chefs. But when I was in LA, he told me, he said, look, you know, I mean, you get your skills, but, you know, put in your closet your French attitude, you know, put everything on the side because you're going to learn so much with the people you're going to work with. You know, um, you know, you know, in France, we have this attitude, we are the best. And I think that's closing a lot of doors on creativity. Mm-hmm. And when I moved to North America, you know, I love the way people are maybe a, li- a, bi- a bit less critical, but definitely more open minded. So, you know, if you take this attitude, you just open your mind and heart to anything you see and you get ex- you get more excitement on the day to day basic of cooking. So, you know, I work with, you know, amazing Mexican cooks. And those guys just create those flavor that I never seen in France. And, you know, and I was like 25 and I was getting exciting, excited every day. And, um, you know, that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe it's easier for me because I'm a first gen- generation born in France, too. So I yeah. don't have those deep rooted, um, you know. And I always felt North America, you know, it's like open space, create open minds. And so, you know, I, I definitely find my growth here uh, compared to Europe. Yeah, you sure have. Hey, we're speaking with Bruno uh, Dyson. He's uh, got a new book out called Baking with Bruno, a French baker's North American love story, uh, which has been just released uh, by White Cup Books across Canada, $35 available in the usual uh, uh, online places and bookstores. And if you want to check out a recipe in the Vancouver Sun, just go... Um 
to a very lemony lemon curd. Google that, Vancouver Sun, and the recipe will come up. That is a wonderful recipe and so simple. I also love your chocolate dough. And whoever heard of a double chocolate angel food cake? But even more than that, Bruno, cotton candy creme brulee. Yeah, I know. I, I, you know, believe me, um, I've done a few recipes like this where I really embrace the North American spirit. And, you know, it's, it's very risky because a lot of chefs make fun of me. Like an example, many years ago, I was living in New York and I cook, I made homemade jello for one of the James Beard Award Foundation. Wow. And, was like, <laughs> and my station was homemade jello because it was the 100 years anniversary of jello. And I'm like, you know, let's make homemade jello. And we, call it, we called it jingling raspberry jello, I think. And every <laughs> European chef walking by was making fun of me. I mean, it was like, <clears throat> yet, um, two people saw it from the New York press and loved it. One was uh, Mr. and Mrs. Zagat, and they right. thought he was yeah, genius to do it. And then uh, next next week, the week after, he was on the New York magazine, and uh, another publication picked it up because they said, you know, it's how food should be explored. You know, should food should have an, an excite, exciting part of it. Otherwise, it's just boring. And, and, you know, and the, um, pop, uh, you know, I do the popcorn creme brulee, I do popcorn ice cream. So I, I love to explore, because, you know, cotton candy, it's part of your weekend in summertime, you know, you go to the fair. So it's really embedded into your uh, DNA cooking in North America. And I think it's great to be to explore it. But I don't think a chef would even think about that. The fact that you've come from France and you see things you haven't seen before, it's perfect. <clears throat> and you know what I loved? Did you really think there was scotch whiskey and butterscotch sauce? <clears throat> oh, I, I make so many mistakes like this in the past. I mean, once somebody asked me to make glove uh, cookies, so I thought they were talking about, um, you know, the spice glove. And, I mean, it was inedible. Oh, you know, I'll like, bet. You know, she wanted, she wanted a, a clove-shaped cookies for St. Patrick's Day. I was one of the chefs I worked in New York, and I just made Clove, you know, clove <laughs> flavor cookies. So did she so, want you know, clover? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, you know, it's when you know my English wasn't that great. Right. Oh, know. that's very funny. And, but, but but you know, I think it's you know, as a core baking and cooking, it's all by trial and error. Nobody invents anything. You know, it's the same chemistry for a lot of recipes. It's just how you spin it and how mm-hmm. you create that excitement about something else. And, and the choice of your ingredients, too. You know, I mean, you know, using fresh squeezed lemon makes a oh. great lemonade or lemon curd. Um, you know, there is no secret about it. Yes, right. And you are a big supporter <clears throat> of Anxiety Canada. And I'm wondering, how have the restrictions affected chefs and restaurant owners forced to shut down during this COVID period? Yeah, well, <clears throat> I think it's been challenging for everybody, for kids, for families, for, um, you know, I think in BC, we are very fortunate. We haven't taken the blunt of it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I have friends who live in New York and Los Angeles. And, you know, it's uh, you, you don't feel the support of the government. You feel a bit abandoned, I think, in BC. Or in Canada, we've been taken care of, so we should feel very fortunate about it. Um, mm. But I think it's a very, you know, anxious time for a lot of people, and you don't know what's the future. I mean, you want to hope for the best, but, you know, you've got to be prepared for the worst. And, um, you know, on the other hand, nobody works in, you know, anybody who works in a restaurant took a big uh, a big uh, hit for income, for uh, 
for anything. I mean, uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm planning to open a restaurant in Richmond, and that project has been dragged and put on hold many times. So it's going to happen ultimately, but um, you know, it brings a lot of stress and anxiety. Yes. So. Um, and <clears throat> this is at the new Opus Hotel. <clears throat> Yeah, um, you know, I was approached by the team behind the, uh, the Opus Hotel in Yeltown. And, um, you know, they're building a beautiful boutique hotel in Richmond. And I'm like, I want to do it, you know. You know, again, uh, plenty chef told me, don't do it, don't go to Richmond, nobody goes there. What would you open a hotel in Richmond or a restaurant? <clears throat> I'm like, that city is vibrant. There is a lot of going on. And, of course, I want to open a restaurant there. You know, I like to take over and projects that people think is not going to happen. And so, um, you know, we're, opening, we're hoping to open by January, maybe it's December, depending on the uh, situation. Well, but um, beautiful restaurant, you know, um, uh, local food, seasonal, ethical. That's the way I... I uh, and, uh, and it's wonderful to open a restaurant in Richmond because there's a huge Chinese <coughs> population and they really appreciate food. But before we let you go... You are working on a second cookbook. What is it based on? Second cookbook, it's um, it's uh, all about bacon, chocolate, butter, and bourbon. Wow! So that <laughs> might be the, that might be the title, uh, but all recipes have those four major ingredients. Um, so we are we finishing the selection of recipes. We are hoping to shoot a photo in October and having the book out by next spring. Um, so, yeah, I mean, not for the scent of heart. <laughs> lot of calories, but great flavors, and definitely very fun to, to cook. Bruno, uh, it was great to catch up with you today. Uh, keep moving Good forward. You're doing, a, you're doing a great job uh, with everything you seem to touch. You have that uh, magic touch, and you have the curiosity and the... The smile that I think attracts a lot of people to the things you're doing. So thanks for joining us today on the thank show. You. And thank uh, you for having me on the show. Yeah, great to have you. Baking with Bruno now available widely in bookstores. Uh, edited by my old editor uh, Michelle. I just uh, I just think it's fantastic that uh, you guys got together to do that book. Uh, yeah, she's um, she's going to be uh, working on the second book with me as well. So. Great and yeah. wonderful photography by Henry Wu. Yeah. Michelle Marco. Sorry, Michelle. I should say your last name. I know your first name. Uh, thanks so much, Bruno. We'll see you soon. I'll see you in the next uh, next okay. show on TV, too. Can't wait. Very good. All right. Have a great time. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye now. Uh, Bruno Feldyson, uh, he's really terrific on that show. You, you really feel his personality, Casey, which uh, I think comes through on the radio, too. But he's uh, such a likable guy and, uh, and a great chef uh, he is. as well. And it's a, it, the book is... Very much his personality. Yeah, worked for right, right here at the Four Seasons with uh, our old friend uh, Rui Pasbraga too. So he's had long, uh, long history. Okay, folks, uh, we got to take a quick break. Uh, otherwise, uh, someone's got to pay for this show. It's not just uh, Casey or I that pay for it. Other people do. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Tony Haller, owner of Poplar Grove Winery. The best wine experience I had was very recently. We were with a bunch of sommeliers from Calgary and Vancouver, and they asked to do a vertical of legacy. 
the oldest legacy we had, which we then called Reserve, was a 1998. We opened that bottle. It was delicious. And these sommeliers were stunned that a wine that old could still be fruit forward. Experience the glory. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Please enjoy responsibly. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. Rediscover the South Okanagan good life at Watermark Beach Resort Asoyas Hotel and Conference Centre. Just steps to everything. The beach, shopping, the marina and great dining at the restaurant at Watermark. New executive chef Nick Atkins invites you to indulge your senses with bright new flavours inside or on the newly expanded lakeside patio. Featuring new health and safety protocols and procedures. Reservations are highly recommended. Celebrate the South Okanagan. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the show, BC. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Back in May, we had a great chat with Mike Daly of District Wine Village, one of the more innovative wine concepts to come to British Columbia wine country. Located in Oliver, BC and still in the construction phase, it's a -a one-of-a-kind village where small craft producers can start their own business without the need to invest in a large-scale facility of their own. Hear more about the 16 dedicated production facilities and culinary experience centre in our conversation with Director of Operations, Mike Daly. Mike, how are you? Good. Hi, Casey. Tony, how are you guys? Hi, we're Uh, great. We're really good uh, and happy to talk about District Wine Village, a a different concept for the Okanagan. Maybe we'll start there. What is a wine village? Yeah, it's kind of a new phenomenon that's happening around the world. This will be the first one in Canada, and we're going to have 16 production facilities all located in one location in the South Okanagan, right off of Highway 97. And uh, we have a, we'll have a brewery there, and we're working on a distillery, and the rest will be mostly dedicated to wine production. Yeah, so it's under construction now, but uh, you, you tell me that uh, there will be some, some units will be ready for work, like for crushing uh, this harvest in the fall? Yes, absolutely. Uh, this is a, this, this uh, building that we're doing, and the buildings that we're doing are part of uh, Grayback Construction. So uh, who's built many wineries over the years in the Okanagan Valley, and this is the Kenyan family that's doing this for, the, for their own uh, family. And uh, we'll be, we're working towards having our first five wineries ready for September this year, so we have the ability to crush for some of the tenants that we are now signing up. And, what, Mike, what is the advantage to uh, winemakers? And when you're looking to... You know, say you want to open a winery, and uh, is it is it a cost advantage? What what's the real pull to a wine village? Absolutely, Casey. That's exactly what we're doing. So these are small artisan, two to five thousand case wineries, and what we're doing is we're we're licensing them. So we're providing the license, the the building envelope, the the tasting room. It's got a a lounge endorsement for uh, for so you can uh, pour wine for your consumers out on the on your own private deck and they are we'll also have we're putting in tanks and we're and the infrastructure for cooling and and glycol uh for cooling the for for cooling the tanks so what we're trying to do is minimize the capital outlay 
for these artisan uh, winemakers and brewers that want to come into the village with a low capital outlay. Yeah. So, uh, like, there won't be, they won't have bottling lines in all these 16. Will someone come in to do that, or will there be one for the property, or? Yeah, so we're, we designed the village. It's built in a circle or a hub, and we have a service road that's intended for our, our shared crush facility um, and, and things like bottling. So we'll have the, you have the ability to bring in the mobile bottling line right to back of door, and then they can go on to the next winery or, or move on to another location. So the whole build is imp- and infrastructure is built around accommodating uh, th- th- those type of needs. Uh, what about uh, quality? Like you, like can I sign up and go in there and do what I want? Are there any restrictions on the kind of yeah. product I make, or how, how do you will you control yeah. that, or at we, least push it in some direction? Yeah, we really want to the for people to be able to um, uh, share and and create their own own artisan products. The only stipulation that we have is that. Uh, this is about BC agri-food products, and all of our all of the wines that are produced there will have to be BC VQA and produced with 100% BC grape content. Um, nice. That's that's the only restriction that we have in place. And Mike, um, what will the breakdown be between wineries, cideries, and uh, breweries? Uh, I would say we're, we're we're and as people are signing up, we'll be predominantly winery focused. Um, but uh, we have a brewer that's coming in, and they're super excited because not everybody, when you come in in these groups, and we're going to have the ability to uh, accept uh, the tourist bus and so forth uh, coming in uh, unannounced into our facility because we have that infrastructure built in place and turnarounds for buses and so forth and and for cars. Uh, We have car charging stations for electric vehicles. so that's the whole premise behind is having that ability to, to, to have people come in and enjoy. We have a culinary building as well. Uh, so we'll have food services there and uh, focusing yeah. once again on local artisan uh, food. Our guest is Mike Daly. He's the director of operations at District Wine Village, uh, planning to open next year uh, in the South Okanagan, but ready for some people this crush. Uh, Mike, well, who is the customer who is this person that you're looking for uh, that that's coming to see you is he is it a guy is it a woman are they 100 years old are they 20 years old what what is it yeah it, it's been a, a mixed combination on several fronts growers who might not have the great location off the highway or aren't fully prepared to spend three or four million dollars to build their own winery and not knowing if they can sell their own product successfully so that's been a a big forefront. So that oper- that's a, a huge opportunity for, for some of the growers in, in the Okanagan Valley. We've had many inquiries and, and people with, of interest that are established or fledging winemakers uh, in industry that are looking to begin their own business and create their own craft in their own way. So that's at the front. And we've had in, uh, interest and uh, inquiries from established wineries who are looking to start a second brand or a second label for themselves as well. Ah. So, that's cool. great. What about planting vines? Will, if a winemaker, you know, a young winemaker comes to you and says, "I want to plant a few acres," can you provide that also? Yeah, that's that is not our our focus. To be honest with you, we have um, we've planted acreage, uh, some grapes around the village, and that's more for aesthetics, uh, more than anything. But um, there is uh, a number of uh, larger. Uh, 
uh, growers in the valley who have, have grapes available if, if the growers don't, or they're, they're, they're or look, or they're looking into the marketplace to buy grapes on their own. Basically. Yeah. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I, I don't want to talk too much about COVID, but has it impacted you? And uh, opening next year, does that? I, I assume it gives you a chance to see what's going on and how people will will uh, conduct business. Are you thinking about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. COVID obviously uh, has, has affected us all, but I think we're feeling extremely fortunate. Uh, as you're probably aware, construction falls under essential services, so we've been able to continue along with the build on the village. So. We haven't lost any ground in that front, so we've been very fortunate on that side. And we're also very fortunate the fact that if we were going to be opening the village uh, this this year, it would obviously have been a, not an ideal situation for us. But uh, our plan is late spring of next year, so we're hoping that most of the dust will settle and we will uh, be on the road to recovery by that time. Uh, we're very optimistic of that, and so we're feeling uh, you know that we're in the right position for next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about sales itself? Will they be right at the winery, or is there a central store that would sell all of the products in the village? How is that going to work? Each each winery building is individually licensed and will have their own uh, front of house sales. So they'll they'll be selling their own product that's under their own control, and right. and they'll have to meet the regulations of licensing when they do so. And then there will be a wine club associated, which is a nice a nice city of of the wine village will be able to for the, for those returning customers or customers who have uh, purchased product and, and and you've now made a connection with we'll have a uh, a, a club that will have the ability to direct deliver to consumers as well over the long term. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like you've thought of everything. But did, have you looked at a lot of facilities before you got involved in this? Uh, I'm hoping. Yeah, you we did. There, there's one. There's one. There's Tin City you may be familiar with in in California. There's yeah. uh, one in Yakima and Prosser, and Prosser, and then there's um, there's one just outside of Seattle, but that's more of a storefront style, um, which they're doing extremely well as uh, yeah. as well. But um, and uh, but there, it's 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 a no brainer because it's a one stop shop for people. Um, it's a desti- become it's becoming a destination onto its own. So and I people will come to our come to the village. And then venture off to other wineries, and and vice versa. I think it'll be their their first stop or their or their last stop at the end of the day on their wine tours, and um, and and then we have the ability to to keep them entertained and and uh, and uh, keep them and give them a, a great variety of product all in one location. Yeah, District Wine Village. So we say this is at the north end of Oliver. Is that a good thing to say, or how would you describe the it, actual it, it location? It is just just past Gallagher Lake. If you're heading heading to the north. Uh, right. It's right off the highway, uh, just just at the Mac and McIntyre Bluffs kind of our uh, backdrop. Um, nice. And the official turnoff from both locations off the highway and, and signage and so forth. Um, so it, it it's 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 easy to find, yeah. and uh, you can and you can also go on to districtwinevillage.com and we'll that'll lead you to the way as well. And 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 we'll answer any questions. We have an inquiry page there. Uh, we're still looking to uh, bring more wineries into the village. Um, so that's our focus over the next few months. And, and yep. uh, we can answer any of those questions that uh, um, individuals have for us. And you yes. have a large amphitheater, and I can't wait for your opening, Mike. Oh, be amazing. We're, starting to, we're going to start booking up events for that and entertainment. And then there will be times when it might be someone playing a piano down in the center square, uh, depending on the, the day or, or, 
time of year, right? So, and then we, we, we've uh, just to give you another uh, little insight, we've we've actually just came up just to extend our season. The, the business plan is built around it, as it is in the Okanagan around the eight eight months of the year, and but we're going to take our center oval that we're that we have for um, for entertainment, and we're actually going to put in uh, uh, pipes into the ground below slab and we're going to actually turn it into a, an ice oval for the winter for the locals to come and visit us as well so mm. sounds like you're uh, ready to roll we see a bit of time and a bit more construction mike thanks so much uh, for joining us today to speak about district wine village uh, correct you are districtwinevillage.com if you want to contact them or you have more questions about uh, how this is going to work if you're interested in opening a winery and uh, this is your chance uh, check it out there. Thank you, Mike. Thanks to you both. Have a great day. You too. Yeah. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save on Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.